0: I'm Jamie Do, and this is A Show of Strength. Hey, it's Jamie, and welcome to Songs of Strength, Episode 2. Today, I'm sitting with Melanie Darling, a Toronto comedian, writer, and just all-around fun person. She's very creative. She's got a great story, and she's picked six songs for us to discuss. So let's jump right into it.
1: Fuck you, you're drunk and acting tough. I know you're sad you're not the only one who feels like that now.
2: I find that um, I used to get really, for a while, um, anxious and self-conscious when I started dating Kyle because he's—I put him in the category of fun person. Like (laughs) he, like he likes sports and he likes to like jump off of things and climb things and like you know he's energetic and I'm fun as a person to talk to, but I like a lively conversation or. You know, just the things that are that are fun and adventurous to me are like, oh, we we met strangers and hung out with them. Aren't that not so much the physical adrenaline. And I don't like uh, one time we were at this like party and I immediately wanted to leave because we got there and there was like it was a really crowded house and it was messy and it smelled like dog. And then somebody brought like all these McDonald's burgers. And then it smelled like dog and McDonald's and everyone had their shoes off and it smelled like shoes. And I was just like. I hate it here. (laughs) And he was like, no, it reminds me of like high school parties. And I was like, I didn't go to parties in high school. Like I like a civilized adult hang with nice furniture and everyone gets to sit down and, and then, yeah, let's play board games. Let's do all that stuff. But I'm not fun and spontaneous in that way. And we have a friend, Angie, who is fun and spontaneous in that way. So I got very in my head about, am, am I not, a a fun person and then I started just having to like police myself with those thoughts so on the way even yesterday I was like okay I'll go to this open mic uh, at SOCAP and um, I wasn't sure if I was in the right mood to go but I was like you can get off the streetcar anytime and no one will know that you were on your way there that's right and I was like okay so then I gave myself permission to be on my way and end up not going and I went. And then when I went into the building, it was like, and hey, if you don't feel like signing up, you can just watch and leave whenever. And then I signed up because if I give myself permission to not engage, I engage much better than if I walk into the party and I go, I don't like it. And everyone's like, I like it. Then I just feel like an alien and I can't have fun. (laughs) <laughs> but if I'm like, I might not like this. Maybe uh, maybe I'll just leave after five minutes. Then it's so much easier to tackle.
0: I really like that idea of giving yourself permission. Yeah. Right. Like setting up a plan beforehand. To, okay, I can I can ding the bell at uh, Bay Street or whatever, and, you know, I don't know, go to a bank or whatever. But, you gave yourself that that, I won't even call it an out. Like it was permission to just, um. Take that first step, make that step mm-hmm. so that you would leave the house. Yeah. Because you probably wouldn't have left the house if you hadn't given yourself that sort of permission
2: if I'm thinking about the end result of like I'm on stage and I'm doing comedy and I've got these kind of new jokes and uh, it's late at night and I'm 40 minutes from home, I'm absolutely not going to do it. Exactly. Because that's insurmountable. Right. (laughs) If it's like first step, get on the streetcar, then that's okay. I could do that. And then I could choose to exit the streetcar if I want to. And yeah, it's, it's become something that, um, I didn't know I had issues with anxiety. I I didn't know because everyone in my life when I was a teenager in my 20s who had anxiety was very like flighty and worried about things. And it looked different on them. Like they looked like like flappy baby birds to me. And I was like, well, I'm not like that. But I'm more like I have like an implosion where my anxiety makes me kind of like freeze over. And I'm just like thinking all these thoughts inside. And sometimes I get the baby bird thing going, but for the most part, it's kind of slow and quiet. And then I, and I was like, and I disengage. So when I started living in Toronto, away from everyone I'm familiar with, I was like, oh, I have issues with anxiety, but, I couldn't see them before because anxiety was in this category that to me didn't apply to me. If that makes sense. It does
0: make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, especially if uh, again, your sort of checklist were the flighty baby bird people yeah. and you didn't, <laughs> and you didn't exhibit any of those symptoms. Yeah. Do you, do you feel anything physiologically? Like uh, not to say that baby birds are experiencing something physiologically, <laughs> but, um, like for example, I woke up this morning and I was having a dream that I was having a panic attack uh. and it was an intense panic attack in my dream. But when I woke up, it was just, I didn't quite have the ability to take a deep breath. So it wasn't, I wasn't having a full on panic attack, but like who the fuck dreams about panic attacks and <laughs> wakes up and is having a panic attack? Um, me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's how it affects me physiologically. It, it, it fucks with my breathing.
2: I used to have um, asthma as a uh, early teen, tween age. I um, I had asthma, but now looking back, I don't know that it was asthma. I think I might have been just, like, freaking out and not breathing properly. Really? Yeah, like, I think it was, and also we had a cat, and I later realized I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> <laughs> so it might have been that too, but it was just like I wanted a cat so bad. We got in grade two, and then it was like, oh, I had bronchitis a lot. <laughs> but um, but uh, I um, I don't know what it was, but uh, it affected my breathing. I remember when I was younger, sometimes um, I would yeah, if something stressful was happening, I would have an asthma attack, and it's like, well, is it is it's a chicken or egg scenario at that point it's i'm not sure um but and then through my 20s i do feel like i'm 33 now and i feel that through my 20s uh major disassociation so just like i would be like i think i tried i was trying very hard to be uh i had a a hard case of cool girl syndrome where it's like hey man that's cool and like i didn't want to be offended by things I didn't want to be bothered by things I wanted to just be cool girl so I think I would disassociate and maybe like like at parties I would be the one making the most offensive joke like if somebody made an offensive joke I would like one up on them and be like yeah well what about this and like I just had this like shock value comedy and um to me and I was always and like I worked in a in a sex toy store. So if I was feeling like I didn't fit in socially, I would casually mention the sex toy store and then suddenly people would think I was really interesting and have all these questions for me. So just being like I don't know, a certain type of like cool uh vulgar person was kind of like Sarah Silverman's ironically offensive persona right. during yeah. that exact same time period. I had that and then um as I started to, in my late 20s, early 30s, think about feminism and what it means to be a woman and my relationship with my womanliness. I was suddenly, like, I am bothered by things. Like, I am an emotional person. I am, I am, I I do get offended if somebody's being boorish or sexist or. So, um, I feel like I have really different emotional responses Now, because I'm actually in touch with that side of myself, whereas before I maybe, like, put it away a little bit. And um, now, if I'm feeling anxious, I get, like, oh, yeah, like, jello legs, a weird foggy feeling in my head. Like, it's, like, a real, like, it does affect my body. And I had to ask my friend who, um, when I first moved to Toronto, because it was such a huge life change, I was sitting with my friend at Comedy Bar, and I was like, so, like what like what does a panic attack feel like and I had to figure out that like these sensations in my body um I that is what it was because I was like is it am I sick like I don't know but it's definitely it affects me and just like yeah washes over me in kind of a yeah my body feels like spongy Weird. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But it's new. Cause like also I don't, I don't think I really had to confront a lot of my mental health issues for a long time because in my twenties I was like living at home, working a little bit,
1: okay. trying
2: things being like, am I an actor? Am I a like, should I go to university for something else? I was really doing the, like finding myself thing and I didn't have a ton of stability, but I didn't have a ton of stress either. Um, So I don't know that. And now it's like I'm in this city where I don't know anyone and I'm paying my bills and I live with someone I'm dating and all these new lifey things uh, that I think have also. When you're confronted with those things, you you see your reactions to stress because you actually have stress. You're
0: experiencing stress in life, but you're feeling um, you're feeling it more. Yes. You know what I mean you're, letting it, you're you're letting it wash over you and, and feel it and uh, and sometimes bad things happen yeah. you know like and sometimes not, I guess I guess good thing a good thing would be nothing to happen right like you, for for something stressful to occur and you know when the moment happens, you just sort of like work through it like uh, you know on the spot. But Mm -hmm. it's those times, it's those times where you don't work through it that are stressful in a different way. (laughs) You know, you're creating new stress.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I was putting a lot of things away. Um, And I didn't realize that until pretty recently. I was like, oh... Like, like the thing I was saying about seasonal affective disorder where where I'm like, where was I? Like, I think that uh, there are things in my 20s that people and friends and experiences that I remember that I like. But I'm also like, where was I, though? Like, what was was I doing? And I don't it's like a weird. There's some there's some obviously nice times, but it feels like a in in some ways kind of a blank space of like a soupy a soupy mixture of like, when was that again? Was I, what was that? And, um, comedy kind of helps. Cause I know I started comedy when I was 25 and then I can mark
0: ah, things after that. Gotcha. Yeah. Whereas those early twenties are sort of, a booyah base at this point of, yeah of, it's of like what? many different things
2: yeah it's like what was I like doing and I didn't do the like fun 20s thing where you're like I'm gonna go to Europe and do so many drugs like I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't like disassociating in a fun way I was just like hanging out being like I don't Tell know
0: them- Talon racist jokes <laughs> <laughs> Vulgar jokes Whatever yeah. Sorry
2: Yeah like Yeah whichever Whichever was the hot button issue Of the conversation You know when someone makes A little cheeky Ironic joke you, And you go like I, I see that And I raise you this And like I was bizarre That's cards against humanity Basically It
0: really is Yeah
2: um, But I was doing The like free form Version of that Trying to be like Aren't I confident Whereas inside I was like <laughs> What Does anyone like me <laughs> Like Yeah very weird
0: yeah. Well, you, um, I don't know if it's weird, but it's, you know, it's what it is. Listen, uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, anxiety and how it manifests itself uh, for you and, you know, um, your seasonal affective disorder. What does, what does that look like?
2: Okay. So when it's cloudy and when, you know, when the sky feels like low yeah. that I get a headache. So part of it is physical I don't feel physically good when um, when it's just, like, a gray, like, blah day. But a lot of it is mental when I just realize that, like, some if I get up early, and I never used to think I was a morning person, but if I get up early and go for a walk and get some sun in me, I'm going to be, like, a chatty, fun person all day long. But if I just, like... Yeah, I need I need the sun, and if I don't get the sun, I feel. I feel like I'm underwater, like behind a wall, like it's like I can,
0: like pressure and.
2: Yeah, or like or like emotionally, I can like you know, in like sad Christmas movies where the orphans are like, like they like they like, <laughs> they like they're like looking in at a family having a dinner, like I'm kind of looking at the world like that, and I'm like, I understand joy, (laughs) but I cannot feel it. And like, it's a weird, um, it's, it's, it's a strange way to feel where you're like, yeah, I know. Like, um, even listening, uh, listening to a song you love or watching a movie you love. And you're like, I get, I get that I like this, but right now I I don't know why I can't access the effect that it usually has on me. So it just feels I think it's different for everyone, but for me it feels like I'm in a fog.
0: I. It sounds to me like you have a really healthy approach to working through a lot of this stuff. You've identified that you've got, you know, something going on and you can label it or not label it and that's fine. But the important thing is, is that you are able to craft a plan. Mm-hmm. You are able to um, do some work, whether that's going out in the sun or... Um, you know, any number of different things. The one thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about music Mm -hmm. and how you use that.
2: I had a lot of jobs that I wanted as a kid, but one of them was I wanted to be a Broadway star and I loved singing. And um, I, I loved um, like so many, I like uh, I liked feeling things as much as you could possibly feel them. Like just, oh, it's an emotion. And I like I like to indulge. I liked to indulge in those really extreme emotions. So like when I was a kid and I saw Les Miserables, it was like, oh, everyone's so tragic. And like everyone's so like, and there's like this little girl, Cosette, and she's an orphan and she has to mop the floors. And I would love just like singing singing these her little song and like pretending that I'm this orphan and that I'm like I just I I feel like um something that I feel like I have a great capacity to feel and music takes feeling so seriously yes
0: I relate to this what you just said I relate to like a thousand percent like, oh cool yeah cool. absolutely I, I love yeah. the feeling I, I love the feeling of feeling Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. And it's like sometimes you have to stop yourself and be like, well, I'm like, I'm wallowing at this point as opposed to just enjoying (laughs) the feeling. Sure. But like, i um like, like, like Phil Collins going through a divorce and he sits down at his piano and he, he writes this song and like things that you can't say in conversation or just wouldn't say in conversation that in a song, it's not cheesy to say or it's suddenly like like you got a violin and there's this orchestral thing and like there's just things that are so visceral that I think you can only express through music and then uh, if you're feeling one small fraction of whatever feeling is in that song you get to really feel it and figure it out through the most extreme version of it
0: yeah yeah absolutely Um, it's a wonderful way To feel like music, like you said, is is designed to be felt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Um and there's something that's just so wonderful about indulging. Yeah. It's like a music is like a a warm bath, a bubble bath, or whatever, right? Like you just, ah, this is amazing. Yeah. What I'm feeling right now is amazing. I want to feel sad, and this song is absolutely pushing the right buttons to make me feel sad or joy or whatever mm-hmm. uh, like i can find myself like listening to music marching up the street uh if it if it's the right song or you know i don't know if you ever do this maybe i'm revealing too much but <laughs> making my own little music videos where yeah. i'm like <laughs> watching things it's like i'm listening to a song that's sad and i'm looking around i like i need to fucking find something that is sad so that it can match with this music right now oh wait a minute i'll just think of my life or whatever you know what I mean yeah
2: oh yeah like if it's raining and I'm like looking out a streetcar window I need a I need a song that goes with that absolutely yeah yes. so that it's like this is the part in the movie where I'm really thinking about it do you oh, want to
0: share some of the songs that you brought
2: yeah let's share some songs yeah man I will say that I um with songs and music the things that I love it's like um I've only got so much room in the bank. So like every once in a while, I'm like, here's a new artist and they're going to be in there for the rest of my life. And like, I'm not really one to like always be discovering new artists. So when a song makes it into the rotation, that's assigned to a certain emotion for the rest of my life. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) I love like, yeah. And a lot of the music I like is a little more like poppy and cheesy. um, But, uh, it's it strikes a chord with me in a very real way.
0: So the first song that you brought, you brought six songs today. And the first one you brought is all revved up with no place to go. And that's Meat Loaf.
2: Meatloaf. Loaf. So
0: talk to me about this, because this record is um, like, obviously, this record is before your time. Yeah. Um, how did you find it? What? Like, what's the deal here?
2: I got a story. OK, the 70s. Um, a lot of people accuse me of being nostalgic about the nineties, which is, that's when I was in, that's when I was a young person. So of course I'm nostalgic about like jelly bracelets and orbit soda, but the seventies makes me feel nostalgic for a time I wasn't there for, but I like it uh, like meatloaf. Okay. So I, um, when I was in grade seven and eight was the first time that I encountered any kind of bullying. Um, from from K to six, I was in an elementary school where I was very popular. Everyone thought I was a magical little fairy, and they just wanted to put me in their pocket. And they were, and that was stressful in one way because I was like, "There's no way I can live up to this." And but. Obviously, it was kind There's of too many pockets. Yeah, too yeah. many pockets. And I was like, uh, I'm I'm also just a person sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, um, but forever, for whatever reason, people regarded me as being very special and very much wanted a, a part of me, uh, which was gave me a weird complex in a way. And then when I went to grade seven and eight. Uh, I was in a new school, and everyone was like, you're weird, you're chubby, you're this. And, like, they just picked me apart because they'd been with the same people uh, from from K to 6 because this school went from K to 8. So gotcha. they were like, this new girl, we don't like her. And um, I got teased a lot, and everything I did was, like, scrutinized. Like, I had i had a backpack with faux fur on it that was like 101 dalmatians backpack so it had like faux dalmatian fur on it and people were like oh melanie's a poacher and things that wouldn't bother me now but at the time i was like just let me wear my backpack and like poacher wow yeah they were just like like anything they could find and like i wasn't good at gym class and eventually i stopped trying because I felt all these eyes on me but then when I stopped trying they were like why don't you at least try and like everything was scrutinized and um, I wasn't good at math and I was kind of embarrassed about how bad I was at math because a lot of teachers their way of getting you to be good at it is giving you extra time but I'm like but I don't get it so I'm just gonna stare at this paper for extra time that you've given me at the end of class but like you're not explaining the concept to me so math made me incredibly anxious and then in grade eight I failed math and had to go to summer school um, and my friends and I we she went with me to register for summer school um, and there was a pawn shop nearby and we'd never been to a pawn shop we thought we were being like we were in grade eight, so we thought we were being really, like, urban by going to this pawn shop. And they had all these CDs, and we were going to go to her cabin for a week before I started um, summer school. And one of the CDs was Meatloaf, and I only had a vague awareness of who this was. I knew about... Um
0: Paradise by the Dashboard Light.
2: No, I'm drawing a blank. What's his big, like... Uh Two or
0: three ain't bad.
2: No, it's the one with, like, the... Um I would do anything for oh, love. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. of course, yes. Yeah, I knew that one, um, uh, like Power Ballad.
0: Sure, yeah. But it was a big I, hit.
2: Yeah, but I was like, Meatloaf, and we were kind of laughing. We were like, yeah, let's get this, and we got a bunch of CDs, and then we went to her cabin, and, and Bad Out of Hell was like, we loved it. We, like, couldn't get enough, listened to it so much, and I think Meatloaf... Um, I read his autobiography, and he was, like, uh, in the 70s, his, uh, his dad tried to kill him, so he, like, went hitchhiking, and this guy was, like, you can work in my little shop if, in exchange for, like, a bed at the back, and he just had that 70s life, and then he ended up being in the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway, and, like, he just had, and I was, like, oh. To live life like I I didn't even think about the tragedy of his of his childhood, but I was like to live life just in a van, living by your own rules, being an artsy misfit in the seventies when people could when you could just be like, I'll pick up a shift at this diner just to get me by, you know. That feeling I wanted that and I knew we weren't living in a time where I could have it. But I think it opened me up to these rock and roll misfit types. Um, Rocky Horror picture show I watched soon after and I was like oh my god this is who I am like wearing a faux fur backpack to school like and I suddenly felt like it all it all made sense
0: the train agrees with you (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) emphatically I want to be on that train in the 70s just hopping on a a car and going to anywhere and um I love that that spirit that the that the 70s had and i was just like i want i craved it and this song all revved up with no place to go is is, i guess how i felt in my teens i was like i was restless and i hated school and people were mean and i just i was i was all revved up and i had no place to go and i i didn't know what to do with myself and and in the song, he kind of talks about he's, like, he's a football player and he's courting this cheerleader. And and it's, like, this very um, 1950s, like, preppy ideal, but set to this, like, saxophony rock and roll. And I've always loved juxtaposition. And, like, um, I, I love the idea that you could be this, like, rock and roll guy in a letterman jacket and like breaking all the rules and uh and i think i wanted a piece of that and so it, it was very exciting to me
0: very cool yeah. well I, I mean and and he can wail as well like oh yeah the, the, his musicality must have really appealed to your your broadway sensibility as yes. well right like because he's just so of that um his voice is amazing
2: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because, yeah, it was like a transition where I was like, I used to listen to exclusively like show tunes when I was younger and like and the Beatles, because everyone listens to the Beatles. And uh, and then um, in my teens, I was like, I guess I wanted something cooler, but it still had that like show tune sensibility. But it was this like cool guy and like motorcycle sounds and it made me feel badass.
0: Like even yeah. you picked a four-minute song, and we still get that signature sort of time change at the end. Yeah, uh, double time, and um, and
1: There's
0: he goes out on that, and that's great.
2: And that's Jim Steinman, because he wrote all of Meatloaf's songs. And if you read Meatloaf's autobiography, well, he doesn't write all of his songs, but like the bats, the bat series, he did. And um, that was originally a musical, which is now is a Broadway musical. But Jim Steinman wrote it with. A, music, a rock opera in mind and he wanted a beautiful blonde haired man with like a ripped chest so like that's why the cover art always looks that way but the these people were like this guy can sing your songs and he was like ugh and he really didn't want really? Meatloaf. Yeah because Meatloaf was not like pretty but he reluctantly agreed and then they have a tumultuous friendship but they love each other.
0: What have we got next here? Okay so our, our band leader Hawksley Workman this is Robot Heart. Talk to me a little bit about why you picked uh, a Hoxley song.
2: I had Other to than pick. He's awesome. I had to pick a Hoxley song um, because I he was the first like indie artist I ever got into. I think it was late at night. I was watching Much Music. The Wedge. They, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. They had a show called The Wedge. Yes. And um and I normally I was a pop person i normally was watching like my backstreet boys or whatever but i guess i couldn't sleep um and striptease came on and i was like what's happening like what is happening and i loved it i bought the cd i didn't listen to it that much because his other songs i don't think i was ready for how imaginative hoxley is
0: he is so great
2: yeah and then when i got older i was like Oh yeah, I never really listened to the C D because not all the songs sounded like striptease, which is like this like bombastic rock hit. So I listened to it again and I was like, Oh my god, it's it's magical and then I had an obsession with Hoxley for a long, long time and I feel like everyone I dated for a while there would be a Hoxley tie-in like oh oh they listen to hoxley or oh they reminded me of hoxley or this song came on when i first met them or like it was yeah i wrote a fringe play about it um really yeah about how he like kind of was this like mysterious figure that like followed me uh through through my life and like defined um like how how i wanted how i wanted a, a man to be like i had this certain idea and, um, and and how I wanted to be in. And, and then I met him, and he's just a guy. And that was kind of great. Yeah. Because I was like, you're so nice. And we just talked about books. And I was how like- How did you meet him? Oh, um, in Winnipeg, they had a music workshop where he was the artist in residence. And at the time, I wanted to, my friend and I wanted to start a band. I've, been, I've met so many people who want to start a band and you never start a band, but
0: <laughs> tough gig.
2: Yeah. But we were like, let's take this workshop. Cause we both loved Hoxley Workman and, and um, part of the workshop is like 45 bucks and you just talk about music with Hoxley Workman for like three nights as a group. And then, yeah, it was nuts. is nuts. And then, um, and then everyone got 45 minutes just to chat with them. And I like, I brought my little lyrics and I was like, I guess I'll, cause I write lyrics. I can't, I not really, I can sing, but I'm not really musically minded, but I write lyrics. Um, and I was like, I guess I'll talk to him about this. And then we just ended up just having a chat, like as two people, we didn't really talk about music we wanted to write at all. And, um, uh, he was great and he was so nice and his like, now wife was was like in the other room in the lobby the whole time uh and it was nice to see he was just like in this like settled nice place he's no longer the like like weird skinny guy in the striptease video he's just this like like he's just this settled artist who's doing the work and liking the work and i was like oh and then i and then the next hoxley Uh, concert I went to, I always went with a guy I liked. I was always like, I got an extra ticket for this concert. And like, it was always, (laughs) I've been to a lot of Hoxie concerts. And then I was like, why? I put so much value into my love life and I was very obsessive about dating. And I think any issues I had in my 20s with mental health were like funneled into my relationships and how I felt about the guys I would meet and I fixated over finding like the one and uh, and then after I met Hoxley I was like I'm gonna start putting energy into people who put energy into me. I'm gonna stop putting energy into these guys who I barely know and thinking they're the one and they're gonna change my life. So I took the next Hoxley concert I went to, I took my mom uh, and and it was nice and it was great and it was beautiful. And um, and Robot Heart, um, I could have picked any number of Hoxley songs, but Robot Heart speaks to this otherworldly way that I can feel at times, where I'm just like, I don't like. I I I feel pretty human right now, but for a long time I didn't feel like a human. And the things that people would say, "Oh, that's human nature," I was like, I don't identify with that. Like, I don't get it.
0: We've already said that sometimes you feel like an alien. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sometimes I feel kind of like. Yeah, like I'm wearing a, a, like one of my jokes is that I'm wearing a a human style skin suit. Um, And I don't, a a lot of days now I do feel pretty human. I feel like a person. But for a long time I was just like more, mm, more in touch with the other side. And like as a child I was like, there's got to be something more. And like I just felt like Earth was like this facade for something much more complex that's happening underneath the surface and I was like where is it how do I get to it and um, and, in, and in Robot Heart like I always identified with that imagery of like there's so many like animes about this but about like a robot that can feel and I was like that's me or like any fish out of water stories any like it's a mermaid who comes to earth and lives as a as a, as a person but she can't figure it out like Splash <laughs> or whatever right. like I love all of those things of like, you're human, but not human. um, That always really identified with me. So when I heard robot heart, I was like, ow, that's, that's how I feel. And he has this line where he says, I've been accused of being unkind so many times. And like, yeah, sometimes I, I didn't necessarily feel mean, but I felt like I bumped up against the edges of like boundaries where I was like, Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And I was always discovering things that I was like, Oh, is that Is that a thing? Is that a thing? And like having to navigate the human world and figure out uh, how it works and how to live in it.
1: us.
0: Nobody thinks like Hoxley Workman.
2: No. I
0: don't think. Like he, uh, we were discussing while the song was playing. And um, I think he's criminally under, under uh, appreciated in our country. Um, I'm guilty of it to a certain extent as well, just because. You know, I'm not as familiar with the newer material. The first three records, I like, I cleave to. I think they're just wonderful, and I know that everything I've heard off the anything later than those first three records is wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, this guy is just uh, that breakdown in the middle of the song with uh, the 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 strange voice.
2: Yeah, like the that vocoder kind of not vocoder, yeah. but that that. Yeah, that whatever thing. that is. Yeah,
0: like it's like,
2: how do you think of
0: that? Like, like this is a song that's sort of straightforward and straight ahead, and yet it's got the beep 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 in it, and yeah. and then it's got that in it, and you're, and I mean it makes sense because it's a robot, right? Like, yeah, but fuck.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he when we were doing that uh, workshop, this was two thousand. I think I want to say 2009 Um, he was talking about David Bowie and how much he loved David Bowie. And he said, David Bowie glows a different color than everybody else. And I've stolen that line to talk about Huxley Workman. Yes. Cause I think great. Yeah. And he's just like, if you see him in concert, he like tells little stories in like most people go to see him. Like he does a few songs, but like the last time I saw him, he did three songs, and then he was like, okay, I want to tell a story. He was like, I promised Mr. Lonely that I would do three songs before I told a story, but I really want to tell it. <laughs> and, like, he just, he likes the talking and the existing with the audience and that, that relationship that I think a lot of people in concert are like, here's something that I'm presenting, and it's right. very curated. And uh, he's like...
0: It seems more spontaneous and real.
2: Yeah.
0: And... Um Yeah, I I was fortunate enough to see him. I'm from a small town, 2,500 people in this town, about two hours southwest of here. And um, strangely enough, about three or four years ago, well, about 10 years ago, they started to restore our old town hall and they've turned it into like a a little theater space. And they do um, music. Yeah, they do music and they do summer sessions and things like that there. Um, Very quaint, very interesting. About five years ago, my friend texted me. He's like, You're not going to believe it. But Hoxley is coming to Waterford to play. And we were like, we we were blown away. And of course we got tickets to to see him in this theater that holds 80 people. And um, it was wonderful. It was so wonderful.
2: He's wonderful. Yeah.
0: He makes you feel, he makes you feel.
2: Yeah. I, I, I defy anyone, even if you don't like his music, going to see him live is an experience. And I feel, I feel like it would be impossible not, to get swept up in it.
0: Yeah, I can see that for sure as well. Yeah. Yeah. So your third track that you've picked is um, somebody else who is, uh, you know, underappreciated. Um, very few people know of him. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, of course, uh, Elton John. Yeah. And um, a song that's not as popular, though.
2: No. Like, obviously,
0: I'm being glib. But the, the song, I don't think, is is as popular. It's I Want Love.
2: Yeah, it's off of "Songs on the West Coast." So he was older when he wrote this uh, when he wrote this material for this album, and um, this was my way into Elton John because it came out in like my last year of high school ish or like while I was in high school and it was another one of those albums where I liked one song and then another song and then another song like I, a grower. Yeah. I wasn't all the way into it at first cause I liked, there was a song called original sin and I heard that and I thought it was beautiful. And then I was like, Oh, this train don't stop here anymore. That one's pretty nice too. And then this song though, um, is so emotional. And like if you want to really indulge in your emotions and like in my 20s, I think I liked pining over people like at the time I was like, no, I just want to meet someone and for it to be like it. But I think I enjoyed the space between people more than the people. Like, I think I liked being like, I miss him. And like, I liked that part. Um, and this song, but it is, it's also really painful. Like, um, I think I can be interpreted as a bit of a, a bit of a manic pixie dream girl type for guys, and then they meet me. Maybe I'm like a Huxley Workman figure to them, where they're like, oh, she's this interesting, artsy, and then they get to know me, and they're like, oh, she's a person, and I think that can be almost like a letdown. Um, and so a lot of my relationships would like burn out real fast because like somebody would be obsessed with me and i'd be like resistant to it at first but then it's like kind of nice and you like the attention and then once you give into it and you're no longer this unattainable thing it goes away and so i would
0: but how much of that was in your head like
2: um i don't know like That's it, a good it sounds question. like you're
0: you're attributing all these thoughts and feelings. Uh I'm not saying that oh my gosh potentially you let the one get away. Yeah. You know, but that's not what I mean at all, but it, it's interesting that you you uh in your introspection you're able to read what other people were thinking of you um quite clearly when you've already stated that you didn't know what was going on in your own head in the tw- in your yeah. 20s. Yeah.
2: No, it was a whole confusing time. I don't know, but I would meet but I would meet a lot of guys who at first would like attention 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 because I was a little bit like, "Whoa, you're paying a lot of attention to me. I don't know how to feel about it." And then when I was like, "Okay, I'm giving in and I will date you," then they were like, "I don't want to date anymore." Like that happened a lot. So um that was weird and I think I started to have a weird approach. So then I became kind of a, obsessive in re, with regard to dating because I was like, that's how you do it. That's how you date. You get obsessed with the person. So it was a very confusing time, and I think I put a lot of pressure into finding a romantic relationship. I think I thought that was going to be like... Impo- that was going to solve some problems. Sure. To meet the right... Um, so this song is just like a good wallowing, like, ugh, like it just makes me feel things, and um, and and in between relationships, I would just be like, I think I'm incapable of this. Like, I don't think... Because these guys would then go on to have, like, a long-term thing with some other person, like, immediately after, and I'd be like, well, but what... And so I was like, why can't I have... Why am I the person that you have a crush on that's, like, this fiery connection that you can't hold on to and then the next person is the person who you have the stable nice thing with and I was like why can't I have this the stable nice thing so in I want love he's just craving a relationship that's that's simple and that whole album he's talking about you know I used to write these over-the-top love songs and I used to be so poetic and I don't want that anymore like I just want I just want something like nice and uh, this train don't stop here anymore as well as has that theme to it and I think it's just it's weird that I was in my 20s identifying with this like older gentleman who was like I'm over it (laughs) but I was like I remember somebody telling me in my in my 20s I was like I'm tired and they were like you're too young to be tired and I was like that's how I feel (laughs) and I just I was I was exhausted with it all and this song helped me uh helped me channel that a little bit and had some had some sad walks walking around listening to this song <laughs>
1: It's impossible. A man like me, so irresponsible. A man like me is dead in places. Other men feel. Less.
0: making a a really radical turn turn here because you go from um meatloaf and elton john who are both you know over the top and wonderful performers and great vocalists and they have partnerships with singer with, with songwriters that are um that are strong and and connected and you know, have existed for like decades. Yeah. And then you've got Hoxley who is this troubadour artist. And now you've got Carly Rae who I think a lot of people would put on the schmaltz board. You know what I mean? And yeah. they sh- shouldn't necessarily. No. Um, she is somebody who broke through with, with the big, you know, the fucking giant song.
2: Yeah. The call me maybe.
0: Yeah. And, and, You know, even in the music video, they made her look like she was 17 or 18 or or whatever. But she's my age. She had been working hard for a long time. She is a singer uh, and she's a a great singer.
2: And uh, she's a singer songwriter and she's always writing and emotion. The album that this song is on is critically acclaimed, Um, but it didn't get the same legend status as like a Taylor Swift type. But the critics were like, oh, it's this like 80s nostalgia. It's so good. It's so, uh, it's curated so well. It's one of the, I have trouble listening to an album all the way through. I'm usually like an iPod shuffle type of gal. Sure, okay. But this album is so good. It's, it, one thing leads into the next so well. And it's really just like, it's got this cohesive feeling. And um, your type is, um, Again, I was going through a tragic romance when I started listening to it. This was in my 30s. Um, uh, but there was a guy who I'd had a thing and with and then it wasn't a thing. And then it kind of was this, like, what are we kind of thing. And this song, first I would listen to it and be like, because <laughs> like, he would, like, actually date other girls. But with me, he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, very, like, it, we had this, like, wrote this movie romance. Whereas with other people, like what I was saying with the Elton John song. And then I finally, like I just said uh, to him, like, and I had trouble confronting people, but at one point I was like, I don't want this in the middle. I want you either going to date me or you're not going to date me. This is confusing to me. This hurts my feelings. Um, and he was like, that's fair. And he was like, I do I do have these feelings for you and, and you know we date a very short time and I ended it because I saw that it wasn't going well and he respected that but it was very like I was in control and it was the first time that I felt like I said everything I needed to say I expressed myself, I was fully myself and it set me up for better dating experiences uh, moving forward I used to be in love with you
3: You used to be
0: Great song. Yeah. Right?
2: I love the like, there's a part where everything goes like, like builds up and then like crashes open and it's, yeah, like, yeah it's great. It's Yeah, great. I can,
0: I can definitely see marching down the street to that. Yeah. yeah. Making me feel good.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's a feel good, but it's also this dreamy, like, <sighs> like it's, it's wistful. It's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the one, in the one song.
0: Let's go to song number five. This is, um. This is Billy Joel, and what can you say about what can you say about Billy Joel? Like this is Billy
2: Joel singing the playing with the guitar, not the piano.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Does he play? Yeah. I did not know that. That is not a visual I can even conjure in my head.
2: Oh, watch the video; it's fun.
0: Well, I guess I don't have to conjure it. Then.
2: <laughs> There's this part where I love this video because. There's this part where they're like, they're rehearsing in this studio and uh, most of his videos have a bit of a preamble, like a bit of a scene. They're rehearsing in this studio and like you can kind of hear it on the streets outside. And then he stops and he's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. It's too hot in here. It's too hot. It's too hot. Get these windows open. Get these windows open. And they open the windows and then everyone in the street can hear the music and everyone starts having a big party. (laughs) It's so fun.
0: Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. To be in New York City and just have a street party dancing to billy joel music
2: again billy Joel's another one that i'm like oh this song i like and now i'm adding this song and like i've discovered him slowly over time the first song i loved of his was vienna beautiful song has great meaning to me as well um but uh this song to follow the relationship timeline was um i met the person i'm now dating kyle and we lived together and um the song is called a matter of trust. And I was seeing a mindfulness counselor at the time, uh, because I felt that I had some mental health stuff I wanted to work through. And, uh, my doctor they were like, Oh, there's this free thing where you get six sessions with this mindfulness counselor. And then like, it's really just to give you some tools and then you can move on from there. So it's, so I was like, Oh, okay, let's, let's do that. And, um, when we were talking, um, I ended up talking about my current relationship a lot and um, just stuff I was having issues with and also stuff I was having issues with my friendships and um, it was a lot about relating to other people. and um, the counselor was like, "I don't know that you have an issue with mindfulness as much as he was like, and this he probably worded it much better, but he was like, he was like, "You have this deep." muscle memory for pain and people who've hurt you. So the moment someone does something similar to that, you're triggered and you're like, this is what's happening right now. And you fill in all the blanks before you have the information. And he was like, if I could give anyone, anyone advice is when you feel an emotion, I wish you could see a stop sign in your head and stop and find and just go, why am I feeling this? What's the context of this? is that person really doing the thing I think they're doing? Or am I assuming based on something somebody else did? And like with Kyle, there were things that I was like, I was having trouble trusting because it would, it would remind me of something from a past relationship. And I'd be like, Oh, uh Oh, Oh, red, red flag, red flag. And it's not necessarily a real red flag. It was just a thing that reminded me of another thing. And uh, this counselor was like, but he's not those other people that like w- really try and be in the moment with this person um so the song a matter of trust i think billy joel writes the best lyrics they're so simple but they're so good like he's like um i know you're an emotional girl it took a lot for you to not lose your trust in this world um and he's and that's so so simple but so nice and um he's just like he in the song is trying to woo this woman and he's like, Hey, yeah, it might not work out, but you got to just like, trust me and just like be with me in this moment and let's see what happens. But like, you got to trust me for us to even try. And, um, and he's, he's, he's trying to, like, kind of soothe this woman who's all worried. And so, like, it's funny because Kyle's taste is the farthest from Billy Joel possible. Um, if he did this show, I'm sure his music would be very interesting and intricate and not very poppy at all. But I would listen, like, when we were first dating, I was listening to, like, hardcore Billy Joel all the time because I needed, I needed that emotional vocabulary. One,
1: two, one, two, three, four.
0: Billy Joel
2: Billy Joel everyone yeah I love I love doing Billy Joel songs at karaoke he's just I don't know he's just got something
0: yeah he's pretty he's pretty great he's got a great catalog for sure yeah um and again I definitely heard you know your 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 stories are um like linked up pretty succinctly with the with the songs for sure
2: yeah, it's crazy when you like as a song presents itself that you're like, this is everything I've been feeling. And like now when I listen to it, I'm like, this is nice. But at the time, this is everything to me. I was like, I would like study is it. It like the first time you read Eat, Pray, Love. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's just like <laughs> that kind of feeling.
0: <laughs> well, we're at the end of your list here and we've got um, another pop goddess, I guess. Right. Yeah, um,
2: unexpected, kind of a dark horse. Like I didn't think she would get to where she is today.
0: No, I, no, I didn't. I didn't either. Again, it, it seemed like she was going to be relatively one hit. Yeah, you know, with that, with the all about the bass song. Yeah, uh, we're talking, of course, about Megan Trainer, and um, the song is no excuses. So, so t- tell us a little bit about why you selected this song.
2: It's a girl power anthem, um, and I love. It's got very simple lyrics. The first time I heard it was when Sean Hayes was guest hosting The Ellen Show and he did a dance routine to it. And (laughs) I was like, how uplifting. And um, I'm entering a time in my comedy where my voice, my voice, I think your voice changes over to your comedy voice. And it's at a place where I'm actively trying to make it something as opposed to for the past eight or nine years, I was just like, what? Oh, follow my instincts until it becomes something but I want on stage, um, I started doing this like fabulous kind of character for some of my jokes where I'm like, oh, I'm so fancy. But then I talk about how I'm not very fancy at all. It's a facade. And like, I like, I like approaching, because uh, a lot of comedy is self deprecating, but I like approaching it from a joyous, fun, having fun with your insecurities and uh, um, the things that make you a little bit messy. And um, and so when I was in Winnipeg, though, I, I got I was doing a, a one hour um, headlining spot. I'd never done that long a comedy before ever. And I got a little spooked because in Toronto, it's very easy for me to walk on stage and be like, hi, it's me and act like oh, I'm I'm this, like, movie star, and then I'm going to say something de- self-deprecating. And I'm fabulous, but no, I'm not. And I love... And a lot of people tell me they like my vibe, so I've been really trying to lean into it. But the moment I got to Winnipeg, I was like, these people have known me my whole life. Um, they know who I am they I've had beef with some of these people in the comedy scene like I had some rough experiences when I first started leaning into more my feminist side I met some resistance uh on the scene and and now things are good things are peachy people have a respect for me but again that muscle memory that I have for hurt and for pain it was hard for me to step on stage and be like hi I'm because I was like in Toronto, no one knows me, so I can be a character, and it's fun, and everyone loves it, but in Winnipeg, I feel like everyone's going, who does she think she is? Like, oh, oh, she spends a year in Toronto, and she comes home acting all, got a little umbrella in her hair, like, oh, what the fuck? And like, so I felt like a fraud a little bit, and and I think I still did a good job, but I was dealing with all these insecurities that I wasn't expecting because you go to your hometown and you're the person you were when you were 15 and the person you were when you were 18 and there's all these memories and everything's like a landmark and it's a weird feeling. And um, and no excuses. uh, I got home and it was on... I downloaded like a Queer Eye playlist and it was on the playlist. And I was like, yeah. And like, um, there's just something about the energy that it has and the fact that the... Um the refrain is just you must have confused me with someone else there ain't no excuses and it's someone demanding respect in a very poppy girly way i guess similar to Carly Rae Jepsen and being this over the like this oh you must have excu- you must have confused me for someone else is like a very like sassy kind of thing to say and and i was just like yeah this song embodies the type of feeling I want to give people on stage. It's celebratory. It's fun. It's kind of cocky. It's uh, shoving uh, people's face in in your face. And I was like, that's what I want. And there's no excuses. Like, I can't. I got to just deliver.
0: I love that all your songs so far have had this undercurrent of um, I want to experience joy and, uh, you know, in this case, no excuses. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, fuck the haters, whatever you, <laughs> yeah. you want to say. that's like cliche or whatever, but you're making it very real. And um, yeah, it ties in. It ties in really nicely.
2: Yeah. And I think like growing up, um, people always told me I was funny and cute and I didn't Want to be because I knew there was this like darker side of me and and I really indulged in that side and I was like no i'm I'm not cute and funny i 'm dark and mysterious and and I thought that was somehow more interesting or more valid or or better um, and then I was just like I am cute and funny and i I do like having fun and I am a joyful why well, I was one time I got mad because someone told me I had like a a poppy little walk. Like I had a real little like bouncy walk. And I was like, no, and take me seriously. And I somehow thought that like (laughs) joy meant you weren't being taken seriously, you know? And I was like, and now I'm like, no, you can, you can command respect and be joyful and funny and silly and still be, uh, and still have that. And, um, and, and be empowered by that. And, um, and so I've really leaned into like my femininity and my love for all things, Frivolous
0: not respect a pop singer or a rock singer of any kind that throws out a... Any
2: of those sounds that like you would feel so exposed actually doing but are so satisfying to listen to. Yeah, it's funny because these these other songs used to be very emotional for me to listen to and now I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. But that song is emotional for me to listen to because I'm like, yeah, like listen to her living her best life being silly. There's like a giggle at one point and she's just like, And she did. She does get a lot of criticism. Like, All About the Bass got some criticism, which I agree, it wasn't a perfect... um, It's not a perfect representation of what it's supposed to be a representation of. It's a little exclusionary. Um, But she's had a lot of criticism, and she could have just, like, Rebecca Black, like, faded into the background, but she was like, no, I'm here. And, yeah, like I said, I thought she was going to be a one-hit wonder as well. And now she's just like... I've I've loved every single since like she's an all killer, no filler, like she's killing it. Nice. Yeah.
0: Um, It's interesting that you said that the other five songs now, they would have been emotional for you before. But now they've become sort of part of your part of your mosaic. And I wonder if that's is that some of this mindfulness stuff working for you where you're able to experience those emotions and you're able to put that stop sign up now?
2: I hope so. Yeah, I think sometimes I'm still very indulgent in my emotions. Um, That's okay. Like like uh, the other day Kyle was like, Oh, I think I'm I'm doing this show but I'm not sure what it and I was like, What show? How'd you hear about that? I didn't see about that. <laughs> and like I'm very like uh, like I'm very like I gotta make it. I've been doing it this amount of time and that means I'm owed this amount of success or something, so I'm still dealing very much with um, trigger emotions that are just like oh you got a show why didn't i get a show what show um and then after i was like i am so sorry you were like mid-sentence and i just like reacted so i can still be very reactionary but um i try uh, i think i'm getting better at in the moment just stopping and being like here is a feeling what am i doing like my thesis statement for 2018 was yes and like in the improv world so I'm like, Yes, I'm feeling this way, and what are we gonna do about that? That's reasonable, and uh, it's still it's still tough, but it's. I think I'm better at it than uh, I think I'm better at it than I used to be. I think I used to very much just like live from my from my gut only, and now I've got more more in there, more in the mix.
0: Melanie, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon.
2: Yeah, it was fun. It was good. I yeah. feel like I've been having a bit of a like sludgy couple of weeks and like listening to these songs was very was very cool, was very fun and like uplifting and, and it's it's when you think about wallowing in these intense emotions you can kinda see it as like how cinematic and silly it is and be like, Oh yeah, I remember when I was so lovesick and you can kinda have fun with those intense emotions sometimes.
0: I'm gonna be publishing this playlist on Apple Music. You'll be able to find it under a uh, show of strength hyphen Melanie. And uh, if you want to listen to it, you're more than welcome to listen to it. So that's how you'll get it. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, play us out, Oxley. Fuck you, you're drunk and acting tough. I know you're sad you're not the only one who feels
1: like that now.
0: And that was my sit down with Melanie Darling. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Songs of Strength. show of strength is a movement where I try to encourage courage. You can subscribe, rate and review the various shows we produce at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, including how to connect on social, please visit www dot a show of strength.com